Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Amy Ballantyne. She is an executive wellness and life coach, a speaker, an author, a philanthropist, and last but certainly not least, a mother. Amy, welcome. I am so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent. I am so excited to jump in and share a little bit about your story and your journey. So thank you for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I appreciate you. So with that all being said, let's jump in. Now, I know through previous conversation with you that you are an incredibly busy woman. And obviously, that is a hell of a lot of hats and quite a resume that you have there. How How do you find time for all of this and how do you prioritize as well as how important is prioritization and organization to you? Prioritization and organization is key. (laughs) (laughs) If you take a moment to look at my calendar, you would see it very color-coded, very detailed. (laughs) It has been key for really good communication with my husband and I around what is happening. And that is important in our life. And for my own peace of mind, there's so many times where before we got clear on a, a system that worked for us around organization, there was more stress there was more challenge happening. And so for what works for us is having that joint calendar and being very clear with the communication there. It is so important for me to prioritize what's coming up. So every day is different. And even sometimes I will have a plan in the evening for the next day of what my action step will be. And life happens and you got to yeah. roll little bit, but there is that in the spur of the moment ability to evaluate what is the most important thing right now and take sometimes very quick actions, make quick decisions. Sometimes I do spend a bit more time making decisions as well. (laughs) When you're busy, you have to, in some cases, be able to think and act quickly. So prioritization and organization, heck yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess another important question around that is, do you have any white space in your calendar? Actually, I would show, Uh if I could show you the picture, there (laughs) there is, uh, I, as we were preparing, I had some time today that I had set aside for something else. But in preparation for this, I was like, you know what? I want to bring my best self to this conversation. And so I shifted my plan for some of the white space Mm -hmm. that I had to do some reflection so I can be ready with you. Awesome. Well, it is greatly appreciated. (laughs) So I'm very curious with you wearing so many hats, Amy, what does your morning routine look like? Yeah. So my first thing 
every single day is as I'm either being awoken <laughs> by, <laughs> by others, my children or my spouse or whatever it is, I am saying thank you so much for this day. So before I even get out of bed, I am acutely aware of the the reality that we get this one chance and I'm grateful for that. So thank you for this day. And then it starts with a, a few minutes of personal time, personal care time for myself. And then I go down and I start taking action on the priorities for that morning. So for me right now, kids in camp, it was gathering the lunches that I had already made. We are huge proponents of morning smoothies. So getting all of that organized. And I mean, it takes me all of three minutes to make a really healthy smoothie, but it was a big factor for me when I first had kids. Sometimes we put ourselves on the back burner for kids. And I became aware that if I wasn't going to take this action for me, I may miss eating. So I really enjoy the Nutrimeal smoothies that I make every morning and the different combinations and concoctions that I try. And sometimes <laughs> my husband will be like, and what did you put into this today? And I'm like, huh, you wish you knew. But it's like the fuel for the day. So I'm not the last person on the list. I make sure that I get those nutrients into my body. Additionally, there's moments like during the school year, I actually built in time for movement after I got my older kids out the door. So we know that in life, things are changing around always. And so yeah. I realized that I had this beautiful window of time that popped up about 35 to 40 minutes where I was like, my goodness, I am going to do some movement. And yeah. because I believe not in this pressure around, it has to look a certain way. I said, you know what? I really like using my rowing machine. That's something that I got during COVID. And this is something I like to do. Does it have to be a certain amount of time? No, it doesn't have to, right? It just brings me joy. I actually visualize myself on a river and the birds are chirping as I'm, it's so <laughs> nice. good. One day, one day I will actually row on the river. <laughs> Not today, but one day. But those are kinds of things that help me to get the morning started off right. And so what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? For me, one of the big things is being a role model to my kids, to help them see that we get the opportunity to be joyful and to experience the day or be calm and experience however you want to feel that day. But it's our opportunity to keep on keeping on. So some days I just feel like I want to relax and I'll pull out a book. And that's my role modeling for the day that I'm taking time for me or we'll buy HelloFresh sometimes and I will invite them to be a part of cooking the meal. But what keeps me going is this desire to want to role model, being engaged in your life, doing things that bring you joy, bring you peace, bring you calm. And so that's usually the energy that I bring to keep on going. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Amy, what exactly is an executive wellness coach and how long have you been an executive wellness and life coach? Mm -hmm. So I've been coaching for 14 years and basically what I like to say is I love working with individuals who are professionals or entrepreneurs. They actually impact others. 
I really right. love working with those people. They have teams or they have individuals who they support. And so I can see this beautiful ripple effect happening when they decide to take care of themselves in a new way, reduce their own stress or overwhelm, shift their thinking, shift their own mindset areas that have been holding them back, the ripple effect that it makes. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't work with people who are not executives. Right. I also work with those individuals as well. But I aim to support individuals who are in that position so I know that the impact that I'm able to make is even bigger. But even the moms that I work with, the women that I work with, they are impacting their kids and that's a, a huge opportunity as well. So uh, I love seeing, the key is I love seeing the ripple effect. So executive wellness and life coach, really we're looking at stress is in work and stress is in life. It's, stress is all over the it's place. It's there, yep. Right. Absolutely. And when I draw a picture for myself, there's stress all around those two things and wellness also encompasses those two things. So when we focus on areas of wellness, things that again, bring us peace, calm, joy, these things can help us in the area of stress. And when we're experiencing stress in work, it impacts home. When we're experiencing stress at home, it impacts work. <laughs> yeah. Right? It spills into all areas of our lives. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Both we are things. not yeah. silos. No. So I love helping people where they're at with what they're focused on. So clients will come and one week we'll be talking about the challenges that they're having at work and these blind spots that they're trying to uncover. How can they accomplish this specific challenge that they're having? And then the next week we'll be talking about the challenge they have with their sister or their husband or something. <laughs> right. And I do like the broadness of wellness in life because I love my clients knowing that we don't have to just follow one narrow path of, yeah. of talking. We can really dig in and focus on where can we reduce the stress and overwhelm that will make the biggest impact for your week this week. Which again, will also have a ripple effect when we yeah. look after ourselves and fill our own cups, as you mentioned previously, that ripples out and, and affects everyone else in our lives, our friends, our family, our job, all of the things that spills out and affects all areas. Yes. I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own personal struggles and journeys before making the leap into coaching. I mean, as human beings, of course, we all have our shit to deal with and our struggles mm -hmm. and all of these things. But what I've found though, is through most of the people that I'm speaking with, who are now coaches, their personal struggle was the catalyst for them becoming a coach. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey you were on before making the leap into the coaching world? Yes, for sure. So the one side of it is I always knew that I wanted to help people and really help people in their health. That was the the motivating driving factor. But the, the time when I had the biggest struggle that kind of links into this is in that window of time after having children and I'm kind of in the workforce, working a bit for a company and feeling really unworthy, really unworthy. That's where my biggest struggles have been as a human. Unworthiness and scarcity mindset are my two. Amy is working on this. Amy is <laughs> making progress on this. Oh my goodness. We all have our things. And yeah. so it was the feeling of unworthiness, especially around not earning to the level that I know I'm capable of. And I know that this has been a huge catalyst for why I've wanted to be a coach because the conversations that I'm having, especially with the women 
But even with the gentleman, it's very interesting how many humans, and I don't want to say everyone, but many humans feel this sense of unworthiness. And that, as I, I've worked on my own stuff and started to develop more depth of knowing that I am enough every day, all day from the moment. I was here until the moment I go, I'm enough. As I have grown in this awareness, I feel deeply called and excited to help other people to really embrace that there's so many stories and challenges that keep us stuck, keep us playing small because of this crappy belief that yeah. is so not true. It takes a lot of work and a lot of mindset shift to get into that space. Mm -hmm. But it, I mean, like you said, otherwise, what's the alternative? You're going to stay stuck where you were yeah. and you're going to be spinning your wheels in the muck and you're not going to get anywhere. And so how have these experiences then helped shape the Amy you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? So for me, it's been about being on a journey of personal growth and development. And even my parents would tell you that from a very young age, I've been buying books around development and personal growth, wanting to up-level my thinking, wanting to be the next version. I don't love the idea of be better. I don't love that mindset because that suggests that I wasn't good enough before, but this idea that I am continuing to learn and continuing to grow. And I think that is really what has helped to shape me, especially professionally, because I have taken so many different courses. I have read books. I have been taking the information and using it in my own life to shift my thinking and see the difference there. And so what would you say is the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you through your experiences? I think one of the biggest uh, takeaways is that I am in charge of how I see myself and how I speak to myself and how I show myself love and compassion. I am in charge of that. There's actually a really interesting song right now, the I can buy myself flowers. You know that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good reminder. I'm not a singer, clearly. But it's you did a good great. reminder. You did great, Amy. <laughs> it's a good I reminder. That was bravery to do it. So yes. good for you for doing it. There you go. It's a good reminder that I can also buy myself flowers. My love, my care for myself, how I see my, it's it is up to me. I'm in yeah. charge of that. And we, because of the media, because of books and movies, all these things were shown these ideals of other people bringing us those things when that's probably one of the biggest realizations is if I want flowers, then I shall go buy flowers. Not yeah. should. <laughs> shall. shall. <laughs> <laughs> that distinction is important. It's very important. It's, it's important to know that everything, absolutely everything starts with self. We have to start here within and then outwardly share that with the world. And if you're right with you and inside, again, it creates that ripple effect. Yeah, really, truly. What is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches, Amy? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? So the way that I like to describe it. So one of the things for me is I always offer a 30-minute free consultation. Mm -hmm. And there's two parts. One, I want them to get a sense of me. 
I want yeah. them to get a, a real feel of my energy, the way that I am there for people as well. I want to get, get a sense for that person and whether yeah. I feel energetically aligned or not. Coaching is, it's a special relationship. It is focused on the now, on the actions that we want to take about this now moment, not the past. And I feel very honored that people feel aligned to me and choose me and they choose me because I have this blend of action and accountability. I am very organized. I'm detailed. I can think critically about the, the challenges people share with me, but I'm also bringing compassion and empathy, a high level of empathy. So I call it loving accountability. <laughs> <laughs> so they get those two pieces of the, the puzzle. I will call the baloney. I, I did for a, a client this morning. I'm like, I'm going to call your bullshit. No, but <laughs> I'm doing it with love. And so because we're talking about all sorts of different challenges, I think that those two pieces, the action and accountability, plus the compassion and empathy, and then overarching my background, I have a significant amount of certifications in nutrition and wellness that brings it all together to really help people make a difference in their stress and overwhelm and in their life. A very well-rounded approach. What, in your opinion, is one of the most important qualities or skill sets of an executive wellness and life coach? Honestly, it's listening both to words and to the body language that I see in front of me. And so what lights you up or excites you the most about the work you do as a coach? Oh, goodness. For me, there's a few things, but the first one is when the person, and it's usually not in the first session, but sometimes it can be, they have that light bulb moment where you can see this aha shift happening right before your eyes. And they often say, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> that moment is, man, that I aim to create that moment yeah. each coaching call. That's the aim is to have the opportunity for the person to be asked the right question to get them to go, oh, okay, I haven't thought yeah. about that or haven't thought about it that way or you're challenging me to think differently, that, oh man, yes, all day long. <laughs> and then the second layer is when they tell me that they have been celebrating themselves outside mm -hmm. of our calls, in between their calls, or they tell me that they have followed through and they're so proud of themselves and they're just using these beautiful words about this beautiful human that they're starting to see oh my gosh like goosebumps all day <laughs> <laughs> the celebration piece is so important because we don't celebrate ourselves we don't celebrate our wins and we need to start doing that because again it's back to this ripple effect it creates that ripple effect and lets the others around us know that it's okay to celebrate your wins and you mm -hmm. should be celebrating your wins it's important no matter how small no matter how big they need to be celebrated they do they do. How has your coaching style evolved since you first started in the coaching world to where you are now? Well, I laughed at this question because I still actually remember one of my earlier coaching experiences. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a nightmare. And you can definitely see if you were to watch the beginning to this moment, I'm growing all the time, but I made this huge plan. <laughs> For this person, huge, like all these details, all this information. And of course, they did nothing. 
<laughs> because I just added to the overwhelm and stress of, holy crap, I don't have it together. I'm not doing all the things. And I mean, it came from a place of love and care yeah. and all the, but I, it was like this dump of enthusiasm, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine, but not fine. Right, yeah. And so I would say now, again, it's about listening, being with the person, being present, not worrying about how much I know, but being present to help them pull out what they know. So I call it co-creating the meaningful experience together. And it's almost like a dance of they're sharing. And instead of me having these very scripted, I have to get to this place of this is what you have to eat. Yeah. I am listening to what is in the moment, what is coming up in their voice, what's coming up in their body language, what are the words they're using, and what's most important to them to take out of the conversation also, because sometimes right. coaches go in with this very preconceived plan of what they want to cover. Yeah. <laughs> That's what sets me apart too, is I'm in the moment and I can dance with what they're talking about and ask them questions about that to deepen the experience. And so what would you say are three of the most important lessons you've learned in your career so far as a coach? Number one, listen more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I am definitely improving, but it's still listen more, Amy. Stay, listen more, Amy. Number two is they have the answer within. Instead of making those giant plans, really helping them, asking the questions. And that's number three is being clear to ask the quality questions, but also gently share the intuitive guidance that comes up for me as a coach. Now, as an executive wellness and life coach, you work obviously with busy professionals who often prioritize their work over their personal well-being. So how do you help clients strike a balance between the professional success and personal fulfillment without sacrificing one for the other? So this idea of balance is an interesting one because it is very unique and special to each individual. So my version of balance would look very different than your version of yeah. balance, right, Brad? Yeah. And even my version of balance in the middle of baseball and softball season <laughs> looks very different yeah. <laughs> to my version of balance when we're not in the chaos of that yeah. season, right? So it's knowing this about ourselves, number one, and not comparing our experience to others' experience, right, in what balance can be. But also it's about helping them to create a reasonable plan, daily plan, around the values that are important to them integrated into their day. So really looking at their agenda and their calendar, if they're at work, are there specific things in their work calendar that are causing them to sacrifice areas in their personal calendar? And do they want to do something about that? Because that's the first going, thing, right? <laughs> yes, do you even want to, to do take, anything about it? Yeah, it's going to take new thinking and new actions, new thinking, new actions. So do they want to do something about it? Maybe not right now, maybe right now, but not always, right? Really getting clear on what is it they want to achieve? Is it that they want to have more time with their family? Is that a just a right now thing? Or is that a next week, next year? Really getting clear on yeah. when they say that they want more balance. What does that actually mean? This leads into the fact that we are constantly hearing about work-life balance. I know I heard about it a lot 
when I was working in corporate, it was almost like it was just this buzzword or buzz phrase. The pursuit of work-life balance often seems elusive in today's fast-paced society or the bullshit of the hustle culture. Can you elaborate on the concept of work-life integration and offer practical tips or strategies to help individuals integrate their personal and professional lives more harmoniously? For sure. So number one, the strategy that I would invite people to take if they're feeling like they want to have a better handle on their their time is noticing the words should, have to, and need to. Noticing how often they're saying that and what they're saying that about. When we get clear on these pressures that either society is putting or we are putting on ourselves and society, including our, our partners and bosses and those people. But when we get clear on those things, we can start to see, okay, what is true for today, for this moment? And as I was sharing as an example, I, and I'm going to break my own rules and say, I should have been working <laughs> on a presentation. I have to work on a present. I need to work on this presentation or I could have worked on the presentation, but what I chose to do was prepared for today. That's a huge difference in our energy right there is looking at the language we're thinking and we're speaking out loud about different components of our day. I have to go pick up my kids. I want to go pick up my kids at the end of the day. I do. Yeah. I have to. I mean, really, yes, they, we, they're course. not going to stay overnight at camp, but, <laughs> but I'm choosing this and approaching it from that perspective. The other thing that I would invite people to do as a strategy is really sit down with yourself and you're either your phone or a piece of paper, somewhere you can make notes and ask yourself what brings you joy. What are the things? If you were to sit with me as a coach and I were to ask you that question, yeah. could you list off all the things that bring you joy? And I mean, the big things, yes. The travel, the all that, yes. But what are the smaller things that bring you joy also? The moment when you're putting your face cream on in the morning, oh yes, that brings me joy, right? Like it's down to the micro. So yeah. we can start to see that there are places in our day where we are feeling happy, joyful, calm. What brings you peace? What brings you calm? Those would be the other questions that I would ask. And how can we bring some of those and notice that we're already doing them? So yeah. often we use these blanket statements of, I never take time for myself. And then I say to the client, okay, so when was the last time you showered? And they're like, well, of course I showered. I have to do that. I'm like, well, <laughs> yes, thank you. But could showering, if we look at it through a new lens, be seen as time for you and time to breathe and time for reflection and time for gratitude and time for just enjoying that you yeah. have skin, healthy yeah. skin, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But we overlook and we breeze over that it's something we should do or we have to do or that it's required in life. Well, just because it's required in life doesn't mean it can't bring you joy. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Well, you can habit stack. You can do, like you yes. said, gratitude practices and things like yes. that. But that, that small mindset shift of the languaging can make such a huge yeah. difference yeah. for sure. Now, you work particularly with women, and we're hearing a lot of women who say they're experiencing a very high rate of burnout due to demands of the job, etc. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think that it is that so many women are experiencing so much burnout. I mean, we really never hear about men experiencing burnout. So can you speak a little bit about that and what you're hearing from the women that you work with around burnout? Can I give you my honest yeah. <laughs> opinion? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both experience burnout. 
both. Right. But we don't hear about them, the but men I experiencing believe it. That women are more vocal. They're more open about it. Yeah. That there is this stigma to a man claiming or, or proclaiming, I'm burned out. Yeah. So they don't. They don't. And I'm I'm totally generalizing here. <laughs> <laughs> But there is a difference in the humans who are more in touch with their energetic state, humans, notice I'm saying humans, so yep. there are men and women who yep. are more in tune with their energetic state and some who are not. And there are humans that are more open with their challenges and there are some who are not. And there are, I believe, especially in the corporate world, it is frowned upon to be seen as having any challenge or stress and then you're less than, you're incapable. So the other layer I think too is that it may take some humans, and again, I don't want to just say men versus women personally, but it may take some humans a bigger experience, a heart attack, a stroke, a big experience for yeah. them to go, holy shit, I'm actually burnt out. <laughs> I better slow down. <laughs> Truly. So many humans, not all, but many humans who end up in that state have been creating that state for many years and just ignoring it. And this is what you're supposed to feel like when you work this hard. It's like a badge of honor, mm -hmm. this hustle culture, this got to always be grinding, always working hard. It's a badge of honor. And I think it's complete bullshit. You have to take time for yourself. Well, Otherwise, you, you go to that extreme of yeah. a heart attack or stroke yeah. or anything else along those lines. Your health, it's affecting who you are. It's affecting yeah. your health, all of it. And then, of course, again, that ripple effect, it ripples out to everyone else around you. And you can see the leaders, male and female, you can see the leaders who realize the true power of mental and physical well-being and how it does ripple effect. I had this incredible session, this training session with a company and one woman, it was a, a workshop style and one of the more junior people in the room voiced her concern, which I was so proud that we had created a space where she could speak up. And she said, I'm so stressed because I never take lunch because I always work through lunch. And the most senior leader in that room, the person who had hired me to come in stood up and he's like, Amy, I've got to address this right now. And it was so powerful and beautiful to see the leader say, you must take lunch. It is not a requirement. We build up these requirements and perceived expectations of how we have to work when in fact, this woman had been believing all along that she wasn't allowed to have a lunch break and she had to work through because that's what the job required and so stressed and all. And he said, no, in order for you to be the most effective you and to be the best version of you, please take your lunch. <laughs> yeah. You have to fuel your body. Yes. You have to. Yes. You can't run on an empty tank. A car cannot run with no gas. You That's have right. to put the gas into your body, which is the yes. food, right? Yep. Wellness encompasses physical, mental, and emotional health. So how do you approach holistic well-being with your clients? And what are some specific practices they can adopt to improve their overall wellness in these areas? So I already kind of alluded to this, that stress Mm -hmm. impacts life and work. Some specific practices. So one, as I already mentioned, I'm a big fan of the morning smoothie. Getting something in that is easy to digest, that contains beautiful nutrients, all of the nutrients we need. The people listening can reach out and I'll, I'll send smoothie information. But 
that is number one, fueling your body. Water. I mean, we know this so much about wellness. People are like, well, I know all of this. And I'm like, well, how do we create the habit? So that yeah. you actually do the thing that we know that makes a difference. It's great to know it, but if we're not taking action on it, and it's about, in my opinion, very small steps. So if it means, I'm going to joke here for a second, I've got one, two, three, four, <laughs> I've got a, I've got four water <laughs> things on my desk. So that might be annoying for some, but the reality is it reminds me, it keeps it in my face that drinking water is important to me. How are you making it? possible for yourself to remember that this is a priority until it is such a habit you don't need to think about it. The other things that I would think about really high quality multivitamins, I am a huge proponent of high quality filling the gaps in our nutrition, especially when we're experiencing high level of stress and overwhelm, truly important movement. So not using the word exercise, notice I'm, I'm using very specific words Movement meaning what do you enjoy doing that means your body is in motion? It doesn't have to be the gym. It doesn't have to be a certain way. We get into our heads about it having to look a certain way. You have to wear the specific yoga pants. Like for Pete's sake, how can we make it easier to move our body? So does that mean getting up and doing some wall push-ups while you're at the office? Close your door, do some wall push-ups. Go to the bathroom, use the facilities, and then do some counter push-ups. I mean, I've used push-ups a couple of times, but it's taking a moment to move your body in a way. Climb a couple of stairs, use the stairs tomorrow, walk around the block, walk around your building, walk around your desk. We get into this idea that it has to look a certain way. For breaking sure. that mindset, noticing the mindset when you're saying, oh, well, I don't have the right shoes. Okay. Is there something you could do right now in this moment of listening to move your body? Yeah. Yes, likely. Absolutely. <laughs> Get out for a walk. Walking is yes. great. It's great yes. movement. Go walk exactly. a couple of kilometers. Why not? Yes. Or It'll five do... minutes. The yeah. point is take action in yeah. the movement. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then of course, good sleep. So lots of strategies around that. One of the biggest things that I did for my own sleep was getting really high quality earplugs okay. and a face mask. Yeah. And yes, I have kids. There's a way that I put them in so I can still kind of hear out of them, but it mutes. It yeah. doesn't like block. It just mutes. <laughs> so it means that I get a better quality sleep. It's about looking at your life and saying, okay, how can I just move the needle a little bit to make this area of my well-being yeah. better. Love it. Thank you for those tips, Amy. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your journey into the world of becoming an author. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? What's the title? What is the subject matter? When was it released? What was the inspiration behind writing the book? All of that good stuff. Yes, please. And I have two that I'd like to just mention if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, of so course. My first one is a product of COVID and okay. all of the years of being a mother and also a person coaching people in wellness. And I haven't mentioned this yet, but all the listeners are going to love me because I'm going to talk about poop. <laughs> and the book is called Mr. Poop Knows Poop. <laughs> Released in 2020, mm -hmm. and the inspiration really came from a number of things. One, I've got kids. As soon as you have kids, you start talking about, thinking about, worrying about poop more than you <laughs> ever imagined possible in your life. True. So, ever. Okay. And so this was something that had been 
percolating for some time of wanting to write a kid's book about this, but also in my work with clients around well-being, if we're not pooping daily, that is an indicator of our well-being. Right. And so I have spent some time, quite some time, talking with different clients over the years about this and strategies that can help us be more healthy in that part of our life. This impacts a lot of things. Our digestion yeah. impacts so much of our life yeah. <laughs> and can cause a significant amount of stress in lots of areas. So I actually wrote it with also the mindset of the people who are reading the book will be taking in the information. Right? Yeah. The mothers and fathers, the aunts, the uncles, the grandmas, the grandpas, all the people who will be reading this book to these children are going to be taking in this information as well to realize that there are some specific actions they can take to improve that area of their well-being. And then the second book that I wanted to highlight is Being an Author in this compilation, Business, Life, and the Universe, Volume 6. And it's funny, actually, because you actually already brought up my topic. This is the best-selling book I wrote about how celebration can change your life. <laughs> there you go. And that came out in 2022. Again, best-selling status. So grateful for the opportunity to share that component of my journey and why I believe we already talked about it a little bit, but this idea that it's almost frowned upon to celebrate yourself. And as we go into adulthood, there are less moments of celebration. When we're little, you're, yeah, you did this. Yeah, yeah. you got an A on your test. Yeah. All of these moments that help us have that recognition, but we're not actually taught how to recognize ourselves and right. how to celebrate ourselves. So that's what I talk about in that book. And I feel like there's another book percolating as well. So <laughs> stay tuned. I also wrote some books on Diary of a Softball Girl for my daughter. So the yeah. different, different aspects. Love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing that, Amy. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? What was your life like after learning it? So a little bit of a theme for me in this call is this idea that I am enough. And the before version looks like me beating myself up a lot, a lot of mental turmoil over that feeling. And it was actually becoming a mother and having a greater appreciation for my own mother and realizing all of what she went through that has helped me have these deeper realizations about myself as well. So there's multiple layers here, but it's definitely this idea of I am enough and not spending, and I'm using the word spending, almost wasting the moments, the hours, the days, sitting in that state, being stuck in that state of believing that I was unworthy of things and not enough and all of those horrible things that I was saying to myself. And now I know I have so much more mental, it's almost like mental freedom in yeah. that I don't, it's not taking up that space anymore. Yeah. You've cleared the space out for other yeah. things, for more yes. important things and for more loving things. Yes. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I would say for me, a big part of it is my communication skills, the ability to ask more quality questions. I have a huge passion for speaking, and that's definitely been an area where I've grown more of my business because when I have the opportunity to speak in front of different groups, the individuals in the audience get to really feel my heart. They get to feel, even not being on podcasts, they get to feel my energy and my spirit and 
that often translates into them wanting to have a, a deeper conversation about how I can be helpful in their life. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? For me, it's the idea of using my skills and talents to be a productive and contributing human in the world. So if I'm doing that, then that I'm a success. And then layering on the other layer would be that I am living in the state of happiness and health as much as possible. Those are two of my core values <laughs> <laughs> and that I am role modeling that. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? I would say the combination of enthusiasm because I am, if you yes, can see I me can right feel now, it I'm, through your screen. I, am through the screen. There, yes. <laughs> I love it though. It's brilliant. My it's infectious. <laughs> yes. And my empathy. That's the other side, which I get to bring more of that out in my coaching and my enthusiasm out more in my speaking. So I feel yeah. like I get to use both of those parts of myself. A very good balance. What does the word empowerment mean to you? For me, it's about taking responsibility and control over my own life and my choices. So empowering others then would be inspiring them to take that control and responsibility that they get to choose how this life rolls out. Yeah, we all have a choice. There's always a choice. Every every situation, we always have a choice and recognizing that. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hold down the excitement, Amy. Relax. You got this. It'll be good. <laughs> one word answers. Have you met me? <laughs> yes. But I have faith in you. I know you can oh, do it. Got faith. Yes. yes. How would you describe yourself in one word? Enthusiastic. What is your favorite self-care practice? Smoothies. <laughs> If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? This isn't one word. You are already enough. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? That I have helped people to love, appreciate, and celebrate themselves more. What is one thing you want but cannot buy with money? More meaningful time with the people I love. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My positive attitude. And that concludes our rapid fire section. See, you did it. Good Yay, for you. I did good it. job, Amy. It wasn't good a job. lot of words, but <laughs> you did good. <sighs> now back to our regularly scheduled program. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what challenge in your life has shaped you the most? I would say the challenge of having my scarcity mindset has been it's still the area that I focus on now. So as every other human, I have my own coach in this. I continue to do work in this. And it is this idea of wanting to not place so much value on the money aspect of my world. And I'm making great progress, but still, that's still an area for me with challenge. Well, we all have the areas that we've got to work on. We're human beings. We're constantly evolving and changing and growing. So that work is never done. It just moves yeah. from different areas to different areas. And there yeah. are things that we may get through and come out the other side and we're okay for a little while with them, but they come back up and that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's knowing, I mean, you've already put in the work. So it's a matter of just learning to deal with them quicker and being able to handle them quicker, right? Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. If you could step into my shoes, what question would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? So... You asked me what sets me apart from others, and I would ask you to ask me, why do clients hire me? 
There you go. Okay. And the answer would be clients hire me because when they experience our interaction together, they feel different. They have an energetic connection. They feel my heart. They feel like I see them. I give them the space to share in a way that feels good to them. And they believe, they really believe that I'm a person that can hold them accountable lovingly Mm -hmm. and help them make the change that they want in their life. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Shit happens. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. And uh, there's no avoiding it. It doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter this. And we get to learn from it. So for me, it's about what am I learning from these crappy moments that have happened in order to be better the next time, to think perhaps differently the next time, to take new actions. And I think that's the key is to realize too, to, again, it, it speaks to the mindset shift is to be able to, when these things happen, when things occur in our lives, to be able to take a step back and look at the situation and look for the silver lining or look for the lesson in it, because there mm-hmm. will always 1000% guaranteed be a lesson there for you to learn from and take away from that situation or a silver lining, whatever you want to call it. There's always something there within that situation. Yep, for sure. And it may not happen immediately. That's right. The learning, but being open to reflecting to find it. Having the Mm -hmm. self-awareness for sure. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? So my middle daughter is the female version of my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And it is teaching me great patience. (laughs) And it's teaching me great patience and even more appreciation for differing opinions and differing styles. And I really believe that she was sent here for me to learn more about being compassionate to individuals who have differing ways of being than me. <laughs> I love it. See, there you go. <laughs> Taking that advice, finding the lesson or the silver yeah. lining in it. <laughs> Patient, I'm sure it's frustrating as hell sometimes. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Amy, what is your why? Yeah, so my why, there's two layers. My why is my kids being a role model for them and creating a space where they learn to be good humans, being able to follow my lead. And really, I've put this uh, vision out there to impact 10,000 humans to embrace worthiness and release the overwhelm and stress that they have in their life. That's a beautiful goal. Beautiful why. Amy, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, this was so hard. (laughs) I think... Mel Robbins. And Mel Robbins, if you're listening to this podcast, Mel Robbins, (laughs) you just give me a call. Mel Robbins, I saw her speak a few years back and there's so many things. I feel like she is real. I love how real she is. I think about her sometimes when I'm about to get on stage about showing up as my real self. And I love how real she is about her story. I also feel very connected to her new book, The High Five Habit, is so similarly about the content that I wrote about in my celebration book that 
I feel like we could have a really good conversation. <laughs> I think we could be friends. No, uh, just kidding. Though. But we could be. And <laughs> I... Kidding, not kidding. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Man, I would ask her a lot about her journey and get more clarity for myself. She's had different careers and shifted now into this public space. Sometimes I want to let my light shine so big so I could be potentially walking that similar path of speaking to thousands and thousands on stages. And then sometimes I think, I don't know if that's what I really want. Yeah. So I would talk with her about that to get more clarity on where my future ends can go. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? So the advice would be to be kind to myself. I had this quote that I really liked, especially kind of through high school. It's a horrible movie. Well, maybe not horrible, but not a great movie. It's called K-Pax. But there was this quote in there, just hit hard So for so long, and it was, get it right this time around because this time is all you have. And I think that the takeaway from that quote that really was inspiring to me wasn't about getting it right, but it was about taking the action about really being keenly aware that we get this chance. Like we are here, we don't know when it ends and to not waste moments. And I don't mean that like sitting on the couch and reading a book is a waste of a moment. That's a beautiful, perfect way to spend yeah. a moment. But it's to not stay stuck in our stuff, to not hold grudges and hold relationships stagnant because you're angry or, but to be present in life and experience it as fully as we possibly can because this is the one we get. I love that. Lastly, Amy, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would say, my friends, look yourself in the mirror, pull out your phone, look at your beautiful face. You have been enough from the moment you arrived. If you found that baby picture of yourself, that small human still exists within within you and they were enough from the very first breath until the last and no matter what you do whether you can earn whether you can walk whether you can talk it doesn't matter always and forever enough amy thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and sharing a little bit about your personal journey and story and the beautiful light you shine out into the world through your work i appreciate you this has been an incredibly beautiful inspirational educational conversation. I've enjoyed every minute of it. So thank you for being here with me today. I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you so much. It was so great to be here with you, Brad. <laughs> my honor <laughs> and my pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Amy Ballantyne. She is an executive wellness and life coach, a speaker, author, philanthropist, and last but certainly not least, a mother. Amy, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.